0: Okay, uh, first thing I'd like to do is uh, embarrass three people. Let me see, uh, Mercedes,
1: no. got to stand up,
0: just stand up. Uh, Ian, no, stay, come on, come on. And uh, Christina, got stay, where's Christina Lumberg? Yeah, these guys just finished the most awesome TV shows to be shown to half a million people in Mongolia every, twice a week. And unbelievable. <laughs> <end. laughs> no, can. Okay. can the musician, where is he? Yeah, he did all the music. And you got to see it. They did an unbelievable job. It's like 20 minutes of Dharma and then 10 minutes of English classes and then five minutes of interviews with uh, hip, hip New York students. We, we borrowed a few from other places. Uh, and... <laughs> not really. Uh, then I can bear some more people. Ernie, who's back there. Uh, Winston, where's Winston? (laughs) Uh, Heimberg, (laughs) Elizabeth. (laughs) Anitama.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dito, where's
0: Dito? Yeah. Uh, These were the three actors. (laughs) And they did a really, really nice job. It looks really beautiful. Okay? So, uh, anyway, it's really beautiful. So thank you for that. Very good. Uh, We sent them already, and um, they saw them. And uh, before they got the money to broadcast them, they started broadcasting them. And then they uh, put them on Friday night primetime. Because they liked them so much. So uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Primetime Mongolia is about 500 sheep watch you, but... Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's really cool. The whole uh, series is about how to do your morning practice, you know, and then how to do Tonglen and things like that. So it's really beautiful. They did a great, great job. Okay. Uh, we're on the final uh, class of Master Shantideva's Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. And um, that's where Master Stanjadeva started flying off into the air and nobody knew what he was saying, okay? And there was even a debate about how many chapters there were uh, because after the eighth chapter, nobody was quite sure how many were spoken after that. And they found him, you know, like a year later down in South India and asked him how many chapters were there. And he said, I left the manuscript in the rafters in my room. You can find it, which is a true story. And... uh, that's how we got this book. Um, and it gets hard about this point. I like this final section because to me it explains uh, emptiness and it explains a lot of questions that I had about emptiness. And I think the nicest part of the last section is that it explains how karma works itself out in emptiness. You see I mean? So I think last class we went over Lord Maitreya's presentation of the six steps of why, if you don't understand emptiness, you get in trouble, uh, and you create karma. But now, I think, something that was not too clear in Master, uh, in Lord Maitreya's presentation, was, so how does that affect karma? You know, how does karma play itself out on on emptiness? And what's the connection between emptiness and karma? And this is where Master Shantideva is at his best, I think. If you, you know, I don't think there's any more famous Buddhist book than his early chapters on patience and, and morality and meditation. But when you get up to wisdom, he's no slouch either, you know, and his presentation is probably one of the best. Um, and I, I like it because it explains how karma works. You know, my idea of karma, until I studied these subjects deeply, was that was very, very simple. If you step on a bug, uh, you'll have back aches. And then I remember Nagarjuna, Arya Nagarjuna, saying, um, don't forget the time lag. The time lag is the deadly thing. Like, people ask me, I understand your lecturers, I'm a good Buddhist, I appreciate everything, but can I kill the roaches in my apartment? You know, and I'm like, if when you stepped on them, even in Mongolia, they, we asked for questions and they wrote on the thing, you know, what about horhas, you know, we can't kill roaches or, you know. so." If, if your own ribs started to break when you stepped on them, you wouldn't ask me. You see what I mean? There'd be no question. The world would be perfectly moral. You see what I mean? If the minute you lied, your bank account dropped by $100, you know, and you got this statement at the end of the month, you lied 20 times. <laughs> uh, you owe us money. You know what I mean? Then you'd be, the world would be totally moral. If karma ripened in the next moment, we wouldn't be here. It all be over. nobody would have killed anything. Nobody would have lied to anybody. You know, the whole thing would be over. But it's also not. You also meet, frankly, Tibetans, and, and I've lived with Tibetans for too many years, and I've known many Tibetans in India. And you ask them, what is karma? How does karma work? You know, and they say, well, Mrs. Melvin, right, my first grade teacher back in Mysore or Karnataka or something said that if you step on bugs, you get hurt later, so I don't do it, you know. And then you say, well, do you understand how it works? Because Americans don't believe that. And my first grade teacher told me that's not true. And do you have any arguments or can you, can you give me any convincing talk about it? You know, and they said, no, I don't know why it works. You know, I just believe it because my, my first grade teacher told me that. You know what I mean? So they're just as bad as Americans, really. And, and their level of... Uh, Nonviolence reflects that. They're more nonviolent than Americans because they grew up in Tibet or among the Tibetan people, but because they don't understand how it works, they're not that nonviolent. You see what I mean? Like they're not that strict. Uh, and because they don't understand how it works. So I think uh, the most beautiful thing and the thing I want to talk about tonight is how Master Deva demonstrates how karma plays itself out in emptiness. You see what I mean? If you understand the process of how emptiness allows karma to work, then you you know, in my mind you you'd be a lot better person. You see it'd be a lot easier to be moral or ethical if you understood how karma worked. You see I mean so it's one thing we call depe dang. Say depe. I'll even write the word here. You're going to get it in your logic class, which is coming up next, but I won't tell you that because everybody will get a cold that week. (laughs) Say Debe, Debe. Jendang. Debe, Debe. Jendang. Debe means faith, okay? Faith. Jendang means follow, to follow. And it means to follow the Dharma because you have faith. You know, like you like the person who is teaching it, or uh, your parents told you that, or, and you don't understand it. Okay, that's called Depe Then the other kind is called Rikpe. Say Rikpe. Jai Dham. Rikpe. Jay dang. Jay dang. rikpe. rikpe. Yeah. Rigpa means uh, reasoning. A person who... Jadang means follower. It means a person who follows the Dharma because it makes sense to them. Okay, so big difference. The first one follows the Dharma because they have faith in that person or faith in that first grade teacher or something like that. And a Rikpi Jadang, they follow the Dharma because they it makes sense. Somebody explain it to them, it makes sense. Okay. I want to, tonight, present... Uh, how emptiness works, how karma works with emptiness, so that you can understand how karma ripens. Last week we talked about how karma is created, or why you start doing karma, because you don't understand objects, okay? Now we're going to talk about how karma works, okay? And then you get a really deep appreciation of emptiness, okay? Um, And you've heard this stuff about the analysis, you know, to prove emptiness. is the pen its parts? I mean, the, the easy one is, is the pen one of its parts? And you say, no. I mean, try writing with it. It doesn't work, okay? Is the pen divorced from its parts? No, I mean, if you throw away all the parts, you can't drive the car, okay? Uh, what's the other choice? Is the pen... Well, uh, uh, that's the easy one. All of its parts, then. They say no, and that's the one that used to bother the hell out of me. You know, of course it's, a, it's the famous Janice Braden, uh, now, uh, whatever his name is, Chilton question. Uh, you know, it's the famous question. I, I tell the story, I was studying Madhyamika with my teacher maybe 15 years ago? I don't know. 20 years ago. So we finish this heavy class and I come out and Janice is in the kitchen, she's about this tall. She used to climb on her mother. This was when she was still climbing on her mother like a tree, you know. Now she's this big uh, executive. Anyway, no connection to her dharma studies, all right. Uh, but anyway, so I come out and I say, Janice, you know, is this pen the top of the pen? And she says, no. And I say, is it something different from the parts? And she says, no. And I said, is it all the parts together? And she says, yes. You know, and then I'm like... Stumped, you know, because the guardian said no, but Janice said yes, and and she's looks like she's right, you know what I mean? And I'm like, what was that, you know? And uh, okay, and it's frustrating when you read Madhyamika. It's frustrating. Oh, by the way, the last choice is all the above or something like that. Anyway, or neither or something like that. Doesn't matter. Anyway, the tough one is this one. Is it all its parts together? You know, and the text say no. But if you put all the parts of a car together, by the way, some people try to explain it that it's not all its parts unconnected. Like if you laid a a radiator over there and a carburetor over there and four tires over there, but put one of the tires over there, you know, would the car still work or something like that? That's not the point at all, okay? Forget that one. That's not all the parts together, you see? That's all the parts spread out around the room. Is the pen all of its parts together in one place? We say no, okay, why? and, and again, you've got to be careful, okay? It's the same thing about the dog toy thing, okay? It's the same thing. When the, a dog looks at this object, uh, they see a, a white cylinder with a blue cylinder on top of it. And how do they compose the thing, you know? How do they organize it in their mind? What do they see? They see just something to chew on, okay? They see, they see something that makes their mouth water and they start wagging their tail because they think maybe I could go up and get it out of his hand, you know? They don't have the capacity to organize these colors and these shapes into what we call a pen. They automatically see something to chew on, and they don't think of it in any other way, okay? And then a human being, whose dajangi Kebu means familiar with a pen, they, they look at it, and they automatically see a pen. And in fact, you're... I don't know how to say it. your first impression of it as a pen is so fast that you're fooled by your own mind and you believe that everybody would see it as a pen. You don't realize that you're identifying it as a pen. See I mean, you don't realize it, it happens so fast in your mind that you don't understand or you don't appreciate that it's in 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 itself out there by itself, raw data, right? Out there by itself. It's just a white and blue cylinder, okay? It's a neutral white and blue cylinder. And then your mind is very quickly making a mental picture called pen, and then you call it a pen. And if I say, what is this? Everybody says, oh, it's a pen. Automatically, it's so fast that your mind lays pen on it that that you think pen automatically. You think pen right away. It's so fast that you think everyone should see it as a pen. Okay, That's why people and dogs get in trouble with each other. Why? Those stupid people don't know that this is to chew on. Mm-hmm. And so they're depriving dogs of the chew toys. Okay? Oh, but you wanted me to say something else. Oh, the stupid dogs are chewing on our pants and ruining them. You see what I mean? That's just prejudice. Okay? Really. They have their own perception and that's valid. Okay? Valid in their context. They see it as something to chew on and it's not right that those humans are standing up and depriving dogs of these two toys, okay? And in humans being, they think automatically the thing is a pen from its own side. So what are these dogs chewing on pens for? You see, you don't say, why is the dog chewing on what it sees validly as something to chew on? You're like, why is this stupid dog chewing on my pen and ruining my pen? You know what I mean? So, it's so automatic that you don't catch it, but what your mind is doing is, there are parts there. There's a blue cylinder, there's a white cylinder. They go together. You saw me write with it. So your mind says pen, okay? It's not a pen from its own side because if it were, the dog would, would be respectful and say, oh, I can't chew on that. that. You need that tonight. I'll wait till it's out of ink. You see, I mean, they can't conceptualize it as a pen. They can't think of it as a pen. Whatever it is in your mind that's making you see it as a pen, they don't have in their mind, okay? What is that? It's karma. We say karma. That's how karma works. Okay? So it's not enough to... You can't keep 300 million Americans from killing animals by telling them, you know, you're going to be reborn as an animal and you'll, you won't appreciate it then. You see, I mean, you can't go around saying the reason you get old and die, the reason you have bad health is that you're, you're killing animals, you know? You can't do that. You can't... It's no proof. It's not convincing. It's not... Uh, It's not like an argument which is very, what do you call it? Compelling or something. You know, it doesn't like, everybody doesn't go out and and give up meat the next day or something like that. You know what I mean? You have to explain how karma works on an object. You see what I mean? And that's how it works. You have a seed in your mind from helping someone in the past. And when you look at these two pieces called top and bottom, blue and white, which is all it is. From its own side, it's just an innocent, bystander, blue and white cylinder. It's you who's making a pen out of it. Okay? If that wasn't the case, then the dog would see it as a pen. But they don't. Okay? So it's not, the penness is not coming from the pen. Okay? You have the karma to make it a pen. And it works so fast that you believe it's a pen. Automatically. Okay? And that's how karma works. And you have to get used to that. Karma works by coming up to your conscious mind and putting, like, rose-colored glasses over your eyes and making you see this as a pen, okay? And that's how karma works. And never forget it. Is this its part altogether? No. Because if it were, then a dog would see the same thing, okay? But they don't. There's something compelling you to see it as a pen. And that's your own karma, Okay, This is profound. This is really how karma works. This can bring you to a tantric paradise. Just understand that. Because this cylinder and this cylinder work the same. Okay? This one and this one work exactly the same. Okay? You have the karma to see this cylinder as an arm. Okay, And if you didn't, if you had a different karma, you'd see it as a paw and, a, and a, as, a, as a leg and a, and a paw. Get used to it. If you accept what I said about the pen and the chew toy, then you have to accept what I say about this cylinder. And by the way, that's why people get old and die. That's the secret of life. It's the... What was that thing that Ponce de Leon was looking for? It's a fountain of life, uh, youth. It's permanent, permanent youth and happiness. You see, I mean, that's the trick. That's the whole point. If, The reason you get old and die is not that this is not getting old and dying. You can't blame him for anything. He's just a plain old cylinder. Your karma is wearing out to see it this way. Your karma is wearing out. He's not wearing out. You's wearing out. You got to get used to it. You got to remember that. This is the key to not have to get old or die. This is what Tantra is all about. This is why Tantra works. This is why we study for 18 years in the monastery and didn't get to go to Tetra College. You see what I mean? The whole point is, once you understand this, you can call the shots. And if you understand that your karma is forcing you to see it as an arm, and that karma is wearing out, and that's why you see it get old, then you can stop it, you know? And you don't have to, this realm, don't forget, okay? The world you know is a mistake. It's a broken realm. It'll never work. It can't work. It doesn't matter what kind of vitamins you take. It doesn't matter what kind of relationships you change. It doesn't matter if you get a new job. It doesn't matter if you try a different kind of exercise. It doesn't matter if you try less sleep, more sleep, more food, less food, different people, different job, different house, different family. You, it won't change. Three weeks you'll be back to the same unhappiness you were at before. You know that. Okay? This realm doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Okay? You can't be happy here. It won't work. You have to die here, and you have to lose everything you ever worked for. For every hour you ever lived that you worked for, you have to lose it. You don't want to stay here. You don't have to stay here. The only people left here, we're like the leftovers. And I'm not kidding. You know, thousands and thousands of beings have gone to their own paradises, and we're stuck here because we don't understand the thing about the arm. And that's all. You just understand it. And then you keep your book. You keep your karma. Okay? So it's very important to realize that the reason you're seeing anything is that there's, there's pieces of raw data out there, there's a flesh-colored cylinder with five other flesh-colored cylinders, and my karma is making me see it as an arm. And when that karma wears out, it'll be called a dead arm. <laughs> no. And then maybe five minutes later a new karma comes up and I'll see a dog's leg. So this rebirth thing is much more nasty and possible than you ever thought. Okay. It's very possible. If you can see an arm now, you can see a leg later. Forget it. Okay? The reason you're seeing the arm is the same reason you'll see a leg later. And that's because something's forcing you to organize this. This is just colors and shapes. People who get Alzheimer's start to lose the ability to organize information. Their karma is wearing out. So their cognitive ability is is, they're losing it. That's just karma getting old. It's their karma getting old. Okay? So you don't... You can get out of this, this problem. You can change it. You see, I mean, there's raw data out there. There's a big cylinder and five small cylinders. That's all that's out there. And in my mind, it's making me see it as a, as a hand and an arm. Okay? And that karma to enjoy seeing it that way is wearing out. Why? Because I'm seeing it that way. All energy expended is lost. For me to see it for five minutes cost me uh, five times 60 times 65 karmas. I don't know. Michael Moore probably figured it out already. 18,000 karmas or something. 18,000 good deeds, basically, for me to see this arm go on for five minutes. Okay? And they wear out. And that's why it's five minutes older at the end. Okay? They wear out by experiencing them. It's like uh, driving a car. You know, As you're sitting in it, it's wearing out. It's not like the car broke on the... Third year, fourth day, fifth hour. The car started breaking when you sat in it at the dealer before you bought it. It, it was getting old. Okay? Yes? Why, why did you have a Why does karma wear out instead of getting more? It's like any other energy in the world. It wears out. It, it gives its effect, and by giving its effect, it wears out. You hit a billiard ball. Think of a billiard ball. And you impart a certain amount of energy. And then the friction it has against the felt the energy drains out there and then the billiard ball stops. So the energy being transferred to the top of the table is like living. And then every moment you live, you're using up that energy. And then the energy stops. Are talking
1: about like impressions?
0: Impressions work like uh, seeds. Impressions work like oak seeds or oak, what do you call it, Acorns. And uh, they give their fruit and then they die. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what's happening. In Buddhism, it's very interesting. The seed is destroyed by the production of the result. You see what I mean? If you want to apply it to a human, you are destroyed by your birth. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was just curious. I don't
1: understand how it relates to like things that function.
0: Yeah, great. It's a great question. It's a famous Buddhist debate. The lower three schools say we don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you have the karma to see it work. You see what I mean? That's all. You know, I, I think what yeah, I want to say there, just to like use it as an excuse. Oh, some schools said that. Some right. school said that. Um, let's say this. Let's talk about the mind, for example. The functioning of the mind. Okay? How do you explain the thing with the parts about the mind? And now, by the way, we're going the way that I want to go. Okay, We're going in the direction that this talk is supposed to go, so you can do your homework and all that. Uh, there's raw data out there called blue cylinder and white cylinder, right? Part of the cylinder. Two parts, and you think of them as a pen. Your past karma forces you to think of them as a pen, okay? And that's a static object. You see, that's not a functioning thing yet. You know, it's not moving, it's not drawing. It's just as, an, as a static image, as a frozen image, it's easy to see that, you know, I think of it as a pen. What about things that move, which is a functioning question? What about your own mind, which is, the, which is actually where Master Shantideva goes next? Is, Does your own mind work the same way as the pen? Yeah. The answer is yes, because everything works the same way as the pen, okay? How? What are the parts? Yeah, moments of consciousness, okay? The classic argument in buddhism is that your mind is working the same way as this pen well a pen is easy you've got a top and a bottom and i take that raw data and i i see it as a pen but my mind how does that work you have moments of feelings like just hook into your feelings right now they're going like this okay I feel good, I feel bad, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm pretty good, oh, my knees hurt, my, I, my stomach's empty, oh, I feel good, oh, there's that person I like, there's that person I don't like, you know, and, and your mind is like, it's, no, if you drew it, it would be like, like this and like that, you know, and it's going through feelings, physical, mental, good, bad, physical, good, physical, bad, physical, mental, good, mental, bad, physical, good, physical, bad, and you're having these momentary impressions, we say 65 per finger snap. They are not discrete thoughts. They are impressions. And, and every time I snap my fingers, you have 65. They run so fast that it looks like what is going on. Time itself. Okay? They move so fast that it gives you... They're just like film uh, squares. You know? What do you call it? Frames of film. And they're moving so fast that it looks like time is moving. Okay? So, so take a piece of your mind. You know, take how you felt for the last three seconds. A little bit too warm, a little bit too cool, felt neutral. You know, just that, eh, eh, eh. you know what I mean? And you take that segment, or that chunk, and your mind says, feelings. Those are my feelings for the last three seconds. It's a, it's a three pieces, in the way that this is two pieces, and your, and your karma forces you to see those three pieces of, of mind-stream, three moments in your mind-stream, your karma forces you to have a certain impression of that. Called, let's say it was three seconds of a bad feeling or something. Okay, That's an object. That's a functioning object. It's a bad feeling that came and went. Okay, It lasted for three seconds. Those three seconds of consciousness are the parts in the way that this is the parts of a static thing. Okay? So get used to it. Your mind is doing the same thing with your mind, that it's doing with this pen. Okay? Your thoughts and your feelings are also a projection of your mind onto pieces of your mind, moments of your mind stream. It's very profound. We're not just talking about, oh, you know, do you like this pen? Do you not like this pen? You know, oh, that's due to your past karma forcing you to see it a certain way. That's true. Your own thought processes your own feelings your own emotions your own intelligence or dumbness is something forced on you by your past karma you are watching your mind and you are forced to see your mind in a certain way you are laying an overlay on your mind in the same way you're doing this pen okay? that's by the way the clue to sung-juk. what's Sungjuk Tantric Buddhahood Okay? a secret. Taya secret, okay. <laughs> Sungju. Okay. They don't call it bodhi. They don't call it sangye in tantra. They call it Sungju. means the union of the two. Okay. What's the union I mean Tantra's big on union. What's the what's the union of the two here? Sak-me-ki-lu. say Sakmekilu. ki Lu. ki sem. Which means uh, immaculate body and a mind free of all perceptions of and, uh, of of self existence. Okay, so those two things together are are Buddhahood. If you get a, a mind that that can't see things as self existent anymore, and if you get a body which uh, you've cleaned out the channels like a pl- what do you call that stuff? Drano, Drano or plumber's helper? Okay, I'm not kidding. Uh, and then you grow these uh, liquid crystal parts. You' see, I mean seriously. That's the process. So that's the process of how you become a a Buddha in this lifetime, okay? So, what I'm saying is, what makes your physical body is a, is a projection onto the parts of your body. What makes your mind perfect is also a projection onto moments of your mind. Okay? It's the same as the pen thing. We're going to cancel the word Prajnaparamita. We're changing it to the pen thing. Okay? So, no, really, make a little connection in your mind. Next time you hear Prajnaparamita, think the pen thing that's really what it's all about. And I'm not talking some BS theory. You know, oh, this is Madhyamika, this is mine only, this is Sautrantika, this is Abhidharma. Who cares? You can use this. Okay, you can take this all the way to the bank. Okay, you're being forced to see a pen because there's pieces of something that your mind forces you to see as a pen. You're being forced to see an arm because there's pieces of an arm that your mind is forcing you to think of as an arm. And you were unhappy today because you had karma forcing you to perceive different moments of your mind as unhappy. So, if you just took care of your karma, if you kept your book six times a day, Tundruk, where is that? Tundruk, don't miss Tundruk, okay? Right? That's Tundruk, okay. It's secret spelling. Uh, <laughs> you, by the way, if you've had any kind of Vajrayogin initiation, uh, and even if you've had another Anuttara Yoga initiation, I bet Rinpoche would let you in, but you can't miss these classes, okay? Gotta to come to these classes. This is all about six times a day, checking your mind, checking your vows, checking how you're thinking, checking how you're living, writing it down six times a day, okay? And, uh, if you continue to do that, then you're putting seeds in your mind to see things differently. You see what I mean? Not just the world around you, but also what? Your own mind, you see? We're talking the emptiness of your mind and the emptiness of your body. We're talking two different emptinesses. Your body is just a bunch of parts. Therefore, if you had a different karma, you could see those parts as a tantric deity, bhaji yogini, Okay? All the guys have to throw out their... Suits and go buy some silk robes and stuff like that, okay? That's your body, okay? And your mind, the same principle applies to your mind. Three moments of consciousness and, or, and, and those pieces are being organized into a thing called the Buddha's omniscience. Why? Mr. Karma is still calling the shots, okay? Karma is forcing you to see it that way. Okay, and don't forget, that's the whole reason to talk about parts and all this junk, okay? What's dependent origination mean? Things come from causes. Oh, come on. Farmers know that, okay? That's the lowest school. Let's talk big time. Dependent origination in the highest school of Buddhism means parts appear to you, raw data appears to you, and your karma makes you see it in a certain way. And that's dependent origination. That's all, okay? And nothing is not that way and that's emptiness. I'll say it again. Nothing is not that way and that's emptiness. There's not anything physical or mental or emotional or anything about your world which is not created by your karma forcing you to see pieces in a certain way. Your karma is forcing you to organize pieces in a certain way. By the way, those of you who are going to ask this question, uh, there are God's style programs uh, scheduled for these weekends. They'll, They'll be... Probably held in New York on Saturday, shortened on to Saturday, and then encourage everybody to go out to, uh, to New Jersey on Sunday. Okay, so I think that applies to a Vinaya weekend. It applies to a teacher training weekend and a later week, uh, weekend over the. The later one will still be held on Friday and Saturday. Okay? And then we'll go out to New Jersey on Sunday. Okay? Uh, I'll take questions because I think it's important. Go ahead. Oh, oh, he said, what's the cylinder in the mind part? It's the combination of the three moments of consciousness. It's the stream of consciousness. It's the combination of the three moments, which we call stream of consciousness. Yeah, it's the continuation of consciousness over three moments. That's what we call dakshi. Dakshi means the basis of a meaning the thing you're going to call my mind. Okay, so all the parts together is what we call the thing to be named and then your mind thinks of it as your mind and therefore you have a mind. So, I just point that out, not because it's, oh, isn't it cool, you know? You're doing the same thing with your mind that you're doing with the pen. That's not the point. This is the key to be happy. This, you know, why is it that my mind goes from happiness to sadness 2,000, 3,000 times every hour? It's driving me crazy, I'm tired of it. You know, can't we just have a string of happy? Uh, Yeah, you gotta fix the right karma. It is also a projection. It is also just a projection, the same way that the pen is. It could have been better. You didn't have to be here. If you just would have kept your book, tundu. okay? You can't keep a, if you keep your book and know the vows well, it's very powerful. Rinpoche is the, the highest holder of this knowledge in the world, so, you know, don't miss those classes. Okay, yeah. It's a good question. Okay. She said, I, I heard when you attained enlightenment, you exhausted your karma. It's just a semantic thing. Okay. Very frankly, no, and it's important to know, we don't say uh, the Buddha's paradise is being forced on him. That perception is being forced on Lord Buddha because of his really good karma in the past. We don't use that word. We use the two collections you pray every night when we finish this class you use the words of Arya Nagarjuna to say may all beings collect the collection of merit and wisdom you see what I mean Uh, and, and at the point where you're collecting karma intelligently meaning you understand this process and you can do it tonight you see what I mean if you start doing good deeds tonight because you finally understood why karma works. Oh, I planned something in my head by perceiving myself giving Palma a nice pen, because I know she's a pen addict. And, uh, you know, I watch my hand go out. I watch the pen drop. I watch her hand grab it. I've just done an act of giving. What's the difference between an act of giving and the perfection of giving? Is it the quantity? Do you have to do 5,000 pens? I mean, that's a common mistake. That's a common misperception. Can I be a housewife and still attain enlightenment? Or do I have to become Mother Teresa? The perfection is done in your mind. Okay? The difference is just in your mind. You can be anything and get enlightened. It okay? doesn't matter. I see myself give the pen, but now I do it with perfect wisdom. The pen thing. you know. Hey, I'm planting a thing in my mind uh, because of that. And I, in my Buddha paradise, I'll always have enough pants. You know what I mean? Because my mind will make me see that. Then you're not collecting karma anymore. We call it the collection of merit. We don't call it karma anymore. We don't say, good karma is stupid. See, good karma is done because your mom told you to, or the government tells you to, or the law tells you to, or you believe the guy, so you do it. And, and the perfection of giving is done with a knowledge of emptiness. If I give this thing to Palma, you know, she's going to get a big smile on her face and I'll get this good karma and then I'll never have a shortage of pants. And I know that. I understand that. And I'm, I'm glad for that. And I dedicate it, you know, to all beings' happiness. And then, an, and then you've just done the perfection of giving. See, what is it that distinguishes the Bodhisattva's giving from other people's giving? It's just that. It's just that. I'm giving it to her. I see myself give it to her. That's the best pen I have. It's all the pens I have right now. It's not a big deal. It's the old woman's penny in the Bible. You know, I gave her what I could. And, and I, I understand that I've just planted a seed in my mind. And I'll have lots of stuff later. And I'll use it to help other living beings. And ultimately, it'll get me enlightened. And then I'll really be able to help other people. And if those thoughts run through your mind with a piece of bread... Or half an old bagel <laughs> doesn't matter. Okay, you've just done the perfection of giving, and we don't call that karma anymore. It's called consciously collecting merit and wisdom. Okay, yeah. Uh,
1: so that sort of suggests that there's uh, if you perfected, isn't that finite though?
0: I mean, oh, it's a great question. You know, yeah. Uh, what about the billiard ball thing, right? So I only gave her one pen You know. So, uh, how's it gonna make a Buddha Paradise? Buddha Paradise has to go, A, it has to go on forever, B, it has to cover all things. You know, like if I'm just perceiving half the people in this room as tantric angels and not all of them, what's the use? That's not a Buddha Paradise. That's just like a good place. You see what I mean? Like, it has to cover everybody in this room. That is accomplished by dedicating it to all living beings the moment you give it. Okay? That coverage to 100% of my world in the future is accomplished by thinking, I dedicate this to every living creature. If it's dedicated to two or three, you get that kind of result. If it's dedicated to everybody, you get that kind of result. So that's the thing. Now, how do you make it go on forever? You just keep reinvesting. Saying it's just total reinvestment. Okay, I'm going to get two bins back tomorrow, I'll give those away. Four pens the next day, I'll give those away. Sixteen the next day, I'll give those away. You know what I mean? You're just constantly re- reinvesting. the. Car. It never wears out. It can't wear out see, it's, it's a cool. Because you're always... Buddhas don't stop practicing the perfection of giving when they hit their Buddha paradise. They keep doing it perfectly. And it just snowballs. It's a snowball effect. It's very cool. It's a snowball effect. They consciously rein, rein, invest it. Do they have
1: to? Yeah, they have to. Or it would, or it would end. Okay, yeah.
0: Uh, that cycle, is, I'm sorry, is a downward cycle. This is an upward cycle. it's okay. still a cycle. It's still a self-perpetuating cycle. You can either go on a downward ride or an upward ride. You know what I mean? The important thing is the, is the quantity of people you think about when you do it. Okay, yeah?
1: Well, just how does the perfection of giving relate to To what? Something that functions, like wouldn't that be the mind functioning here? Say, you know, you're helping someone who fell down with complete emptiness and mindfulness, yeah. no personal gain, attachment, or anything. Yeah. Would that be something functioning in some schools? Uh, sure, yeah. I Yeah, yeah. Right. Functioning
0: true. thing we're going to talk about next class, actually. Two classes from now. It comes up in logic. Okay. It means the definition of a thing is something that does something. Okay, yeah.
1: What about spiritual materialism, meaning that you do the good thing in order to create good results in the future? Isn't it kind
0: of... Yeah, yeah, it sounds selfish. I mean, it's very much strikes a Judeo-Christian background, especially if you say, hey, give Pelma a pen, you're going to get 16 back in three days. You know what I mean? And then it seems like uh, ignoble. It doesn't seem very noble. Hey... In Buddhism you can have your cake and eat it too. And that just forget that old thing. You know, you can have your cake and eat it too. Meaning you can't avoid being successful if you're a dharma person. You can't avoid being happy all the time. You can't avoid being surrounded by beautiful people all the time. You can't avoid it. Okay? If you're practicing well, you're going to have you're going to be physically prosperous, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be happy. You're going to be emotionally stable. You're going to be surrounded by beautiful people. You can't avoid it if you're practicing well. You see what I mean? And the highest stages of Buddhist practice are quite pleasant. Period. Okay. <laughs> no, and It's not like you have to beat yourself or something like that. It doesn't work that way. Okay. The, the better your practice gets, the more, the more blissful it is. And the highest practices are the most blissful practices. Period. That's the way it works. Because you are purifying your world. You're purifying your life. And, uh, and there's no contradiction. Of course, in the back of your mind, you have to have, you know, I want to reach total happiness to help other people. But there's no contradiction between reaching total happiness. The best thing you can do for other people is to reach total happiness. Got it? You see? You are sworn, when you took your Bodhisattva vows, you swore to reach total happiness to help other people. You know? Uh, it's a blissful path to bliss. You know what I mean? And... And don't get in this mood that you have to sacrifice your happiness so that other people can be happy. That's not true at all. No, you know? but it's, yeah. the same, it's
1: the same, the earth. But the question is, should you be focused totally on other people or should you be
0: focused on... Uh, it's a good question. It's, it's, I understand all that, but should I focus on helping other people or helping myself? What's the definition of of chien? Senjen tamjen la mikshin. Rang yi dook. Dook zhan du uh, I forget the rest something like that anyway the long definition is uh, you focus on other beings and wish to help them and then your second focus equal focus is to be reach total bliss for yourself so that you can help them it. I mean? so it's actually it's called dunya nyi den bilo dunya nyi which means the mind, the state of mind with two focuses is the definition of bodhicitta. you know so yeah it's both You're thinking, I want to perfect myself so I can help other people. You know what I mean? And frankly, every day that goes by that you're practicing well, everything gets increasingly blissful. You know what I mean? And there's a bodhisattva vow against what? It's called uh, thinking that you have to stay alone or something like that. Thinking that you have to stay in samsara. It's a myth and you break a bodhisattva vow if you think that the role of a bodhisattva is to suffer while, while other people get enlightened or something like that. Or to stay suffering while other people get enlightened. That's not what the book meant. And it's so wrong that there's a bodhisattva vow against it. Okay? Thinking that, you know, what, are you going to delay your Buddhahood to help other people? Yeah, yeah, I can do better with one lousy Michael Rhodes than with 10 million emanations of a, of a holy angel. Yeah. yeah, I better wait. You know what I mean? Come on. That's just the old Dharma myth, okay? You have to get yourself enlightened. Then you can emanate about a billion bodies. And why would you want to delay that? You see, I mean, that's your job. That's what you're supposed to do, okay? Yeah. Oh, two bodhisattvas. Quit fighting.
1: Yeah, good, yeah, yeah. I'm
0: glad you brought it up. This is really what I'm supposed to be talking about in the Sarge's time, I and mean you have to take refreshment. You should be asking what Brooks is asking. So what about the raw data, you see? What about the cylinder, okay? What about that? You keep calling it raw data. You keep saying these two things are appearing to you. Now what about the cylinder? Does the same rule apply to the cylinder? Absolutely everything's like that, okay? Oh, what are the parts of the cylinder? Oh, let's talk about the top of the cylinder. You look at the top of the top and the bottom of the top, your mind puts them together, your comma makes you call it top, okay? It's infinite. It's an infinite regression, okay? And you look at the bottom of the top and your mind looks at the top of the bottom of the top and the bottom of the bottom of the top and your mind puts those two together and calls it bottom of the top of a pen, okay? And, and it's one way to establish emptiness, to keep going down, I call it onion layers, and you're looking for something which is not a product that your mind has made from a couple of pieces. And you'll never find an end. There is no end. And that's one of the ways to see emptiness. That
1: actually is my real
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, doesn't that actually prove, if that was true, that you couldn't get anywhere to
1: prove that, that the whole concept of would be wrong, like
0: the kind of and stuff. Yeah, you kind I mean, it's a common question, and it's like half your homework questions are like that. The fact that, you know how you use a microscope and you go down a level, like when you, you're grading diamonds with a microscope, you go down to the middle of the diamond and look for spots, and then you come back up to the top of the diamond and look for spots, so... When you're focusing on the pen, the two, the two pieces together, the cylinder, is the raw data. When you're focusing on the cylinder, the two pieces of the cylinder are the raw data. That raw data, unexamined, exists out there. And that's a principle of Madhyamika, and you have to understand that. There is raw data. I am perceiving two pieces of a pen, and my mind is organizing them into a pen, okay? And and at that point, that you say, What is the emptiness of the pen? This is raw data and it's a priori and it's assumed and it existed. Okay? When, then, when you go down another microscope level and look at the cylinder, it's just two pieces of a cylinder being organized into a cylinder by whose mind? Both the dog and the human. But not by a blind person. Because they don't have the karma. You see what I mean? It's very interesting. You're not blind because you don't have the karma. Sorry. N- you don't not have the karma because you're blind. You don't have the karma because you're blind. You don't have the... You know what I mean. You're not a dog. Uh...
1: No, I'll say it. I got it now. You don't
0: see this as a chewy toy because you're a dog. You're a dog because you see it as a chewy toy. And get used to that. That's profound. You don't see this as a pen because you're a human. You're a human because you see it as a pen. You see what I mean? And that's very profound. You see what I mean? That, that means everything is possible. Emptiness makes everything possible. I'll take one more question and then I think you guys need to look into the pieces of the refreshments. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, I was afraid somebody asked me that. Does even Buddha do that? Yeah, even Buddha does that. But there's one big difference. They are, they are in no way fooled by the process. They understand what they're doing as they're doing it. Okay? They understand totally what's happening while, while it's happening to them. Okay? Big difference. Big difference. The, the, the benchmark of being an ignorant living being who's still suffering is that you, you're not aware of it. It takes like a whole hour to get you to see it that way just for a second, and then you lose it again. And then the person who takes the refreshments before you do is like...
1: You see what I mean? You know, you forget all this projection stuff. No, you
0: forget that you're creating them. They're totally your creation. How do you get rid of this person? Share. Share with people. And you can't hold that for more than a few minutes, and then you lose it, you see what I mean? You'll lose it by the time you get back there. Okay, anyway. The, the goal is to keep it in mind all the time. Uh, that, and then the real way to get rid of your problems is not to shoot people or argue with them or try to convince them. It's to do the opposite kind of behavior. That's all. If you have a problem with people being stingy on you, it's because you're not sharing enough. If you have a problem with irritating people around you, it's because you're irritating to others. Okay? And it doesn't matter what you say to them or don't say to them, because it won't fix it. Okay? That's all. All right. How's your refreshments? See you in a while. Oh, fine, 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 okay, <clears throat> okay we'll start, uh, not much to say tonight, um, I just wanted to give you uh, to repeat that if you, uh, we're going to start having interviews uh, on Monday nights here, uh, Tuesday and Thursdays during the second half of class. Uh, for people who want some advice on on what to do during the three year uh, during the three year retreat so you know I've been just and and, uh, I think I maybe gave the impression that I would only do the older students that's not correct okay so anybody what I'd like to do is handle the older students first and then get to the newer students but uh, I think we'll be able to cover everybody who's interested uh, about the three-year retreat you know or what my suggestions for what you can do during the three-year retreat I'll give you some basic uh, outline now and we'll talk about it more um, these classes will continue uh, they will be taught by the 12 teachers who are doing the, the uh, breakout teachings um, I see it as uh, Classes that will continue in small groups. So a, I, I would like to restrict them to 12 people each. Uh, we'll probably be using the three jewels. I don't know yet. Uh, and the goal of doing it in small groups and having more of them going on at one time, like there might be maybe six classes going on at one time, is that you will be able to cover all the classes that you missed. Okay. The idea is that in three years, you have a chance to finish the 18 courses. And, uh, I've agreed that, uh, to consider teaching the secret teachings to people who have finished the 18 courses. I, I think it's very hard to get through the 18 courses and not, uh, and not be a worthy vessel for the secret teachings. Okay? So, although it's conceivable, so I'm saying, uh, you know, uh, but that's, that's the general idea is that you, intellectually, I think you have to cover four areas. So one is intellectual. So that's the courses. You have to try to work on those. Those will be offered throughout the year. Uh, I see them meeting once a week instead of twice a week. And, uh, and then you'll be able, we'll design it. We got a list today from Dr. Taylor of all the people who ever took a course here. I mean, there's about, uh, 400 people who have finished a course here, you know, at least one course here, and uh, people have finished from one to 17 courses, okay, and uh, so we can supply you with a list of which courses you've finished and which courses you haven't finished, and under certain conditions, uh, if you've almost finished a course live, like you finished 10 classes or 9 classes or something, you didn't take the final or something like that then we can just let you go with the final or something like that, okay? Uh, so that's, to me, your intellectual life is is covered like that. You need it, okay? Uh, you hear about all these big mystics who went into deep meditation and saw emptiness and blah, 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 and, you know, State Milarepa went up into a cave. Do you know how old he was when he went? I like it. 47. 47. Uh, which would be my age uh, when I start my two-year retreat? And uh, no, what I'm saying is he studied his ass off uh, before that, and that's why he had such a good retreat. Okay, and and you you have to have that. Your skull is like wood, and it just penetrates slowly. You have to hear it again and again. You have to hear it year after year, and it doesn't matter if you understood what I said tonight about. The emptiness of the pen or something. You have to hear it hundreds of times. And and then it just goes a little deeper and deeper. There's an intellectual process, and then there's a spiritual process. And the second one takes longer. In the monastery, we're encouraged to go sit in classes. Like when I was at the 15-year-old level, right? Uh, I was encouraged to sit in uh, my classes, which were about nine years ahead of me you know, it's like being an eighth grader and going sitting in, in a freshman college class or, or it's worse, like a graduate school class and um, you don't know what's going on and they say in in the monastery that you just sit there and absorb it, you know and you just sit there and you listen and you hear the words flying around and you hear them arguing in these concepts and you have no idea what they're talking about eight years later you you go into that class and suddenly it all bursts on you you see, I mean, so the whole process of of spiritual realizations requires study at the beginning. And you can't get out of it. And don't say, the Buddha said it over and over again. The Dai Lama said it, where was that? Washington DC, Chi, where's Chi? Yeah, you remember what he said? He he helped organize it. And it was like, uh, he said, uh, I'll tell you what you gotta do, study, 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 you know? And uh, I was like that, you know? Uh, so you have to, the first thing is that, okay? That's the first thing you have to take care of during the three years. Second thing is, uh, yeah?
1: Is it or right if you do the courses on
0: your own? Don't mind if you do them on your own, okay? Uh, I, I personally, the position of the lineage is that it's much more powerful to get it from a human being, okay? So if there's any way you can be in New York to get it from a human being, or Perth, Australia, or where's the other places, I don't know, but... uh West coast of Australia. East coast of uh, Melbourne. Anyway, there'll be different places in the world that it'll be going on. Uh, but, but there's a blessing to the human being speaking it uh, that can't be replaced by tapes and, and notebooks. Those are emergency measures for people in Iowa. Okay. Uh, uh, the last three courses you must take from a human being. Or, or I won't consider teaching you Tantra, okay? The last three review courses you have to take from a human being, okay? Uh, second thing you need is uh, daily practice, obviously. You have to keep up uh, at least an hour of meditation every day and you have to keep up your book. And I will not consider teaching Tantra subjects to a person who has not maintained their book for three years. Now, can you miss some days? You know you're going to miss some days. I miss days. Uh, can you miss a month you probably will miss a month but if it's like uh, what we call uh, what's it called Uh, there's a word for it I forgot anyway dissing the teaching you know what I mean like if you're actively saying this is stupid and I refuse to do it or something like that then I refuse to teach you Tantra period okay Uh, you have to respect that that practice and And it's also a requirement after you take Tantric teachings. So it's especially, if you break it after you take the teachings, you go to Vajra hell instead of just normal hell. Okay, so it's up to you. Yeah. Uh, Where do you keep all those books? What I do is I collect all students, give them to me. I spread them around my room. Uh, People sneak in and read them thinking it's mine and uh i have the most interesting conversations with people uh but uh, i write in russian and tibetan uh, so if it's not like that you're reading somebody else's story. <laughs> okay. uh, i usually personally i like to keep them and then i go back like i started in 86 or something like that and i go back and i i see if i still have a problem or i don't have the problem you know what I mean? so i think they're useful for that you know what I mean? I, but uh, you know, if it's like a problem or something, throw them away. Throw them in a river or an ocean or a lake is a, is a, is a custom. Or burn them is a custom. Okay? Uh, so that's a book and a daily practice. Okay? Uh, then thirdly, uh, you have to be doing some kind of retreat. Uh, the students who have Vajrayogini, I would like to request, uh, that you try to do two tantric retreats a year. Called Lero, and, um and those take four or five weeks. If you, if you can't do that because of your uh, work schedule or something like that, then at least one good retreat a year of four to five weeks. And you work it out, okay? It's your life. And if you really want to, you can work it out, okay? With a little work. Once you've done one or two, you realize people don't miss you so much. <laughs> You know, you thought you were indispensable to your boss and your wife and your dog. And it turns out they do quite well without you. And uh, it's kind of discouraging, actually. Uh, and then it turns out you really can accommodate it. The first one I ever did when I was working in this big corporation was very difficult. It was an emotional struggle with all my workers and all my bosses. And the second one was a little less emotional. And then the third and fourth, you know, they just call me up. I remember getting out in Sedona, Arizona and calling out to to do the HMO plans, you know, and it was fine. And everybody was like, oh, you did one of those retreats. That's cool. You know, uh, because you come back a much better person and you actually make much more money. You know, I, I made millions more dollars for my boss after those retreats than before because your mind is totally powerful after that. So they won't mind. Okay. Will they share it with you? That depends on what, you did in retreat. Uh, The last thing, and I want to emphasize it, that I expect and that I hope you will do, you have to do some kind of service of other people, okay? People ask me, uh, you know, I went to school with Ken Rinpoche with 20, 30, 40 other people. Um, You know, now I can debate in the, I'm a Geshe, I really can debate anybody in the monastery for five, six hours at a time in tibetan and and i can read any text out of hundreds of thousands of texts i could just pick it up and it's like a newspaper and that's greatly to do with the service of my lama you know and i think the difference uh, is serving your lama and serving other people and i count it as the same thing you know uh so the fourth thing i really encourage you to do during three years is find some way to serve other people you know and serve your lama if you if you have a lama, okay. If you have a a person that you consider your your root lama, but there's nothing more powerful, and and it's really the, in my mind the same thing. You know, when I was serving Ken Rinpoche, built his house, you know, taught him English, fixed his teeth, got his eyeglasses done, you know, things like that, uh, did his taxes, or <laughs> stuff like that, it's just stuff that helps uh, cooked for him for eight years straight, every meal, okay, and and that 's the the kind of stuff also, we had a program and still have a program where we helped all the old Mongolian people out in New Jersey, so we were at Social Security once a week, we did all the doctors' appointments, translated for them, did all the nursing home placements. you know we people would just come to the temple and we would place them in a nursing home, and you know we would do all that work for people. Diabetics, we'd go shoot them up in the morning. <laughs> you know, really, I mean that was my day, and that was that was the kind of day. You know, drive anybody who needs it to the to shop or something like that. So I, I encourage you. I don't think you can get really heavy spiritual results if you don't have number four also. And you know, we don't have here a normal. Uh, a, a, a steady program of that kind of thing. It's mostly people doing it who, who have an urge to do it, like Pelma is, is doing a lot of prison work and uh, outreach work uh, for people in mental institutions and stuff like that. And she's doing a lot of that work. And people are doing it out of instinct. But I urge you, your study and your meditation and your retreats will take off if you do some kind of service of other people, okay. So I urge you to do that and maybe try to organize it better among our group, you know, so that like people are doing their prison work together, like the correspondence course, something like that, something to help other people, something where you volunteer uh, a couple hours a week to help somebody, and that is to serve your lama. You see what I mean? That is the service of your of your lama. So I count service of beings and service of your lama together you, as number four. That's the fourth thing uh, you should be doing during the three years. As far as Arizona, I'm going to ask Winston uh, later on in this series to speak about progress. And uh, there'll be some... Thomas is going to talk about Mongolia in the next class. But um, Mongolia is a place where you could do some service if you want, uh, teaching English maybe for a month to three months or something like that. Arizona is designed, the intention of getting this big piece of land, is that anybody who wants to come, can come. And, and it's our purpose, and it's our mission, is that everybody in this room who wants to do a serious retreat will always have a place to do it. And it doesn't matter whether you have money or not, it doesn't matter whether what you can do or not, you just Come. And and the people who are working on it, their pledge, you know, their mission is that you have a place to come, and and you can come for a week, or you can come for a month, or you can come for the rest of your life. Uh, but that's the idea. There'll be a there'll be about a, a thousand and something acres dedicated to retreat cabins, so you have, could have your own retreat cabin and do a nice retreat there for you know one month to three years uh you there'll be about a thousand acres dedicated to a university where for five to ten years you can commit to master tibetan medicine herbal medicine or tibetan philosophy or dance art architecture tantra Uh, we have a college called serving others which will be hospice prison um, how to write non-profit corporation things. You know what I mean? Practical stuff. Uh, and then um, there'll be a school for developing children's education and a business institute for mixing Buddhism and business. Uh, and then there'll be about 2,000 acres dedicated to a, a spiritually oriented retirement community so that you could come out. When you're ready to leave your work life, they call it sannyasi in in ancient India it's called the forest period of your life like you go through your middle age you work you raise a family you have your house and all that stuff and then when the kids move out and you're retiring then you go into your spiritual period of your life and you dedicate the rest of your life to your spiritual period and that would be you know 50, 60 you move out and you you have a place to live Uh, the nice thing there is that uh, because of the solar energy and the Water is pumped up by windmill. There's no utilities cost. We won't even have electricity to most of the land. Uh, that you can live about, right now I think you could do it for about $200 a month or $250 a month. But the goal is that anybody, when they reach a certain age, could come. They could dedicate the rest of their life to study meditation and getting ready to die if they didn't do tantra very well. Okay, And uh, that there'd be people there to guide you and take care of you and and uh, help you as you got older. So that, you know, yeah. Semla Jakshu. Say semla. Semla. Jakshu. Jakshu. Semla. Jakshu. Semla Jakshu. Semla Jakshu means park it in your heart. You know, they say, just keep it in mind. You always have a place there. The goal of that place is that you have a place there. Uh, whether you have money or not, whether you're weird or not. Okay. <laughs> no, we really want it to be a place... Or, or whether you're just very intense and you want to come study something for five or ten years and master it with a real t- master, a Tibetan master, a Mongolian master, you know, that you could really become a Tibetan doctor and not just fiddle around with Tibetan medicine or something, you know, something like that. So the goal of the place is is like that. And always keep it in mind. At any point, you can talk to Winston, you can talk to Ann Lindsay or somebody who'll be in charge of, uh, you know, taking care of people who show up. And the idea is we, we've developed methods of housing and things like that that are inexpensive enough that we can handle people who just show up and and, and we just want to dedicate that idea to being a, a spiritual place that you can always run to for one week to, to the rest of your life and, uh, and be able to live. A, it's a very, very, very uh, beautiful place for spiritual life. It's like the the deserts of the Middle East or something. You know what I mean? There's a holiness to the place. It's very quiet. It's extremely quiet and extremely peaceful. And uh, and it, it's just very... Uh, I don't know how to say. We did a short retreat there, two to four weeks, and we all had these amazing... We, our meditation got to a very amazing place because of the isolation of the place. So uh, so keep it in mind. And that's, what it, that's my idea for the next three years. So anytime during the three years, you're welcome to come out. Park for a while, and uh, and and train, get trained, and do some uh, long-term meditations, and help build the university and the spiritual retirement community. Okay, uh, and the, the retirement community won't be like a; there'll be a swimming pool, there'll be a you know a big library, there'll be internet access. There's a huge coaxial cable being put across the land by Bill Gates. No kidding, and uh, you know stuff like that. So it'll be. Uh, it's not meant to be uncomfortable. It's meant to be comfortable but spiritual and cheap. So, uh, anyway, keep it in mind. And uh, you can help build it, too. You can help be there. All right. So, uh, you'll get a more technical update later. And I think we'll just stop there tonight. Okay? We'll do a prayer.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, and all that stuff is... Free. Okay, I mean if you have money, okay. If you don't have money, okay. Okay. That's the way it should be, right?
1: Okay. <coughs> for an MRI or whatever.